This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise Welcome everyone to another podcast Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As you heard from the little intro And what does that actually mean Awakening the heart of humanity Well for me it means really speaking our truth and coming together in conversation, transparent conversations, so that we can enliven and enrich one another and awaken together. And today I'm with a friend and hopefully, if you haven't heard already, two previous podcasts with this divine being, Darpan, welcome brother. Good to be here, Simon. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much for being here. And we've just been setting up and we set a little intention for this call for you, the listeners, and some of you I know that listen to this on a regular basis, but if you haven't listened to the previous two podcasts, you might want to go back. But what we're going to do today, is we're really going to um, pick up from a year ago when we last spoke, and we're going to uh, share a little bit around that where I'm going to um, I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> pick Darpan's heart and brain and mind, and we're just going to go on a little journey. So please stay with us. And if this has inspired you, do share this uh, conversation forward, because for me, this is what I call a meaningful conversation. And it's always a joy to be with Darpan. And I also want to say that I promote this like crazy. But if you haven't listened to some of Darpan's music or albums, I call them more transmissions. And I really invite you to dive into the metamorphosis which is a transmission that has supported me for many, many years, and a new one called A New Vision, which was launched in 2019, I believe. Is that, wasn't it, Darpan, yeah. 2019? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 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 And the, these, for me, I've also put them on my Medium page. These, for me, are real transmissions. And you can even, um, uh, on Darpan's YouTube page, there's a beautiful uh, visual art uh, video as well that you can watch and listen to that transmission. And when I say transmission, I don't mean just listen to it once or twice. It's beautiful. You see some imagery. You listen to the words. Lovely. Every time I listen to these transmissions, even five, six years later, I take and receive a little bit of nectar, which I didn't particularly hear in the previous ones. So with that in mind, Darpan, I'd love to just say welcome. Please feel free to share how you're feeling in this moment, and we will just uh, we will dive in. Thank you so much, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here as always. And, um, yeah, that's true. Uh, these these uh, pieces that um, you spoke about were divinely inspired. They came through in, in visions and in moments of uh, kind of like uh, deep communion with, with, let's say, existence and the pulse of what's happening right now. And uh, it's been my joy and pleasure to share these things. And the, although in the last two years, I've been very much uh, more internal, almost hermit-like, uh, being on the land since the whole COVID thing happened, just absorbing the whole lessons that that is bringing to humanity in general, but also to me particularly in my life. And uh, I've embarked upon a beautiful relationship with a woman called Fiona, so I've been really working beautifully together with her, doing a lot of sound healing. She just finished creating my website, www.darpan.com, so I invite you to have a look at that. And we're currently working upon a new portal, which is going to be called peaceawakening.com. 
Mm. There's a new website where we're going to be opening it, the portal up, and I hope to be doing a lot of stuff with you, Simon, uh, to open it up for new paradigm consciousness, awareness, uh, navigating this transition that we're in right now, uh, providing tools and insights and create creative expressions of that transition as we move through it. And so I guess the last couple of years have been very much uh, because of my travels had to stop because of the COVID story, uh, has been very much an internal a rearrangement, integration, because prior to that I've been on the road for like some 20 years delivering concerts and, and shamanic uh, workshops or seminars and uh, sound healing seminars around the world. And, um, yeah, it's just been a really a, a different time. It's been a point of gestation for me, I feel. It's a period of gestation. I feel like that's coming to fruition. And uh, I'm going to formalise that actually at this point um, by going into the desert uh, it, within a month or two for a period of time, just to sort of, uh, I want some time to myself to just sort of like uh, express th these last couple of years in, in a book and also uh, with more music. So that's what's been happening with me. It's been a quite an internal time, which has been felt very welcome after a period of being out a lot for the last 20 years, uh, being with people a lot. Yeah, so it's been right. very, very beautiful. Yeah, and, and 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 to mention as well is that through that period, those that two year let's let's call the COVID story a two year period, right? Like yeah. kind of, I know it's like you know meandering and it's still alive in in the in the essence, but let's call it as kind of two year period, which on so many levels, and we spoke about this before, was an opportunity to go inside, was an opportunity to look at ourselves, was an opportunity to really take stock and go, well, okay, this is happening. This is the big narrative that's happening right now. But what is this, what is this pointing to me? It's about like, and you mentioned on one of the other podcasts that really if we don't go inside and start to look at the shadow inside, look at the the um you know what it triggered and brought up around judgments and and projections and you know and all this other stuff it was a time to go inside and really look even if we're let's say have done a, a level of work like i remember you having a, a actually um some personal challenges with health and also you know you sent me pictures there was storms and bloody all sorts happening in your region so it's like there was so much happening wasn't there just internally externally and um, i know that's always happening but definitely um this was a, a great i called it a, a bit of a i think you might have said this originally but i call it a, it it felt like there's been a big purging happening <laughs> well indeed it, that's exactly how i see it as a massive purge yeah uh, you know um that we have entered as we've spoken about like this whole period i feel is like a a, a huge rite of passage for us individually, but also as a collective, as humanity, as the human family. And this, this rite of passage, uh, like all the old mystery schools where they utilize rite of passage to shift consciousness from one level to another, uh, involves going into the dark tunnel. And I call this period of the COVID period the dark tunnel. That's, that's where we enter into a kind of a hall of mirrors and we're seeing a lot of distorted and refracted reflections. And there's information coming from every side to feed any particular anxiety or fear or, you know, threatening old uh, beliefs, patterns, uh, ideas. Uh, and it's been very disconcerting for many people, you know, because everything gets shaken up and, and you think, well, who am I if I'm not who I thought I was before? And all the things that I relied upon before are starting to feel very shaky. 
you know, people who've been, you know, really believing in a religion all their lives, whatever that religion may be, or a particular political persuasion or a particular way of being in the world or a particular belief system, all that's being thrown up for grabs right now. And I think that's a very good thing. It's good that it's all been shaken up. And, you know, there are many, when you go online, there is so much information about who causes this and the ultimate people who are responsible for all of that. And I'm very well versed in that information. But quite frankly, I don't choose to, to dwell upon it very much. I do know that this is all going on, that there is a kind of a pandemic, if you like, that is being manipulated by certain forces upon the planet, which brings to bear the fact that there has never been such a polarisation of the light and the dark in our historical process as we are facing right now at this time. We're really being forced into the bottleneck right now. No matter where you stand in this, no human being escapes this process, it would seem. And, uh, and I think the way that we comport ourselves through this process, this initiation, will very much determine our experience throughout. And, um, and I see a lot of people around me melting down through, you know, a lot of shifting and changing and a lot of, um, a lot of insecurity, a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion happening in people. And uh, as you say, I mean, I went through the whole physical aspect of that too with the kind of extreme weather events here and massive flooding, devastating flooding, where people's homes were destroyed, people died, people uh, were, you know, all of their belongings were taken away instantly. So much, you know, was, was being threatened and a lot of insecurity. But what was the silver lining in that dark cloud was the way that the, the community came together to support each other, to really come together, it like the, brought the best out in people. And I saw that nothing like a good disaster or a good crisis to bring out the best in people, to bring right. out their higher qualities, because suddenly you had people, you know, going, you know, um, in dangerous situations, going out to help people, you know, and uh, even my place here became a refugee place for people whose, whose homes had been destroyed. And so that was just an exteriorization of what was already happening in, internally. Right. Somehow, of course, as we know, whatever you feel internally starts to become exteriorized. And so it was no real surprise to me, even though it was unprecedented in terms of the effects and of the devastation, that this occurred. Because once again, you ain't going to look at certain agents, geoengineering, there's lots of evidence to support that that was being happening. We have three heart facilities here in Australia. But once again, you know, it's a moot point whether, whether you point at these things. And so the point I'm trying to make is that I think what's important is to come back to oneself, is to no matter who is causing whatever we are experiencing or who we might imagine is responsible, ultimately we are responsible because we create our own reality in terms of what we're experiencing and we also create the external reality with which we are faced in every moment. So taking responsibility seems to be a very big keynote of this right. transition. Right. And taking responsibility at this stage while we were in the tunnel uh, really in, um, means that we need to look at the shadow. We need to look at what's been running our lives in the basement. People See those energies that are yet still unconscious within us that we need to make conscious. In, in other words, we need to own. And so a lot of stuff has been coming up in my own personal life, and I see it happening all in the community around me, where people are... Yes, we're being shaken up. Yes, things are being challenged. Yes, we are being pushed into a certain bottleneck. But what better 
opportunity for transformation than these conditions, these very conditions of uncertainty, of, of, you know, of not being able to be uh, depend upon things that we've thought were rock solid for such a long time, which brings us to the point where we've actually always been, standing at the precipice, standing at the abyss, and we've, we've you know, managed to surround ourselves in the past with illusions of security and uh, dependability and that things could be uh, projected forward or backward in time with relative certainty, that's all been stripped away. And we go, whoa, we're standing at the abyss, whoa. But hang on, we were always standing at the abyss. We always were. It's just that we were hypnotised by these illusions of security, these illusions of, of, of dependability, and we're being thrown into the uh, realisation, as one of the first Four Noble Truths of the Buddha, of the impermanence of all things, of the impermanence of nature, you know, of the impermanence that this bardo that we live in, this earthly 3D space-time existence, is, is what we can call the bardo becoming. It is a bardo, just as those states of consciousness that we will move into after death. And I think the Tibetans and also the Egyptians were amazing in mapping out these very specialised states of consciousness that we live in in our lifetime, but also that which we pass into when this physical life concludes. And so I think that we're being shown by the uncertainty and by the uh, insecurity and the confusion that um, we are at this presence, we always have been, and that it gives us an opportunity to fully embrace the moment of now, you know, with all of it, with all that it entails, with all of the ramifications, as opposed to living within this kind of uh, fortress of security, of, of thinking that we had, uh, that certain things like religion, politics, uh, industry, commerce, uh, the financial system were things that we could depend upon when in fact now they're all being threatened. And so I see this as to bring it back to the rite of passage that this is a very, very essential step for us to go through. And my message uh, today is not to, not to resist that and not to be afraid of that, that it's actually a very good thing, that it's actually stripping away all that which is inconsistent with these higher frequencies which are actually coming down on the planet at this stage of our journey. And although that may be hard to believe if one turns on the television or looks at the, 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 the daily kind of uh, right. collective dreaming, um, it is, in fact, all those who are tuning in, all those who do take the time to go out in nature, who do take this opportunity to go inside, are being rewarded amply by the kind yeah. of realisations and insights that they're doing. So... Yeah, this is this a beautiful. Is yeah, sorry, go on, Karen. Sorry. No, 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 go, go ahead. Yeah. And I just want to take a breath here on that because you've just given us a nice, like, you know, overview span of, of you know, what's yeah. actually uh, potentially unfolding or definitely unfolding, depending on where you're putting your uh, perspective. Um, and that's how I see it anyway. And yeah, there's something that's, that's arising when you when you mention like depending on where you're looking in terms of main, mainstream, you know, media, if you're putting on the news and so on. And you use the word, um, you use the word hypnosis. And also today, based on some of our previous conversations, 
the word sovereignty has popped up, taking full responsibility for our nature of our own experience, really owning, owning that we are grand creators of this reality based on how we re react or respond. And if we respond with awareness, then we're actually navigating ourselves through all of this delusion and distraction and everything else that kind of, you know, has been put up in what some call this dream spell, no, this kind of dream spell of, of, uh, society as we know it through the, uh, I would call it the systems of control, let's say, these, you know, these uh, structures, these buildings, these uh, institutions that we grew into, we came here, we agreed to un unconsciously, ignorantly, whichever way you look at it, we agreed to it. Our mum and dad signed us off into the, into the birth certificate, put us into the system. We get put into the schooling system. The schooling system is a spell. That spell teaches us to go out into this society, get a job, look for a job, become somebody, be successful, feed the system, right? Feed this, you know, um, perpetuating what I call the invisible prison um, or on the hamster wheel of dysfunction. And what I love when I speak to you and what you've always done for me through your music and transmissions is like break that spell, drop out. And then we're in this kind of like what some might call utopia, right? Some might call like this beautiful world of love and compassion and awareness and multidimensional nature. And I'd love you to like, yeah, around this like kind of hypnotic spell that has so many of us caught in future projection and past pain. And, and, and not, as you described here, you said the fully embracing this moment of now, because, you know, what else is there if, if everything's crumbling, if you can't fully embrace this moment of now? And then this cosmic intelligence and, and how we embody this multidimensional um, consciousness, no? Because, you know, it's okay to say, yeah, we're multidimensional, but, but and you can't see all the dimensions playing out. But when you start to become more aware, you realize that you could be walking down the uh, down the road and somebody else with their consciousness is very different and you would never even see each other but you're on the same path but right? you're on the same road you're in the same city but energetically multi-dimensionally you're, you're frequencing a, a different vibration and i'd love you to talk to that if you're happy to because i think people well, get that conceptually but like to really what does that mean when we start to live that you know well, it's really interesting, this notion of race hypnosis, as you say, uh, because it's something that we've been born into, contracted into, as you say, from birth. As you say correctly, generally unconsciously, because the system itself needs our consent in order to operate, and it will gain consent in whatever way it can, it can you know, sequester it from an individual or from a collective. And often it's through trickery, bribery, unconsciousness, uh, fear, um, coercion, you know, subtle coercion, where people choose something for comfort, knowing that it's not for the best interests, but they agree to it anyway, just to not feel discomfort. This is how these agreements are, are received and, 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 and sequestered from individuals. So that's a very important point. And sovereignty really comes down to recognizing that fact and recognizing that the power has always been with us, that we are, we have the spark of the divine within us and that we are naturally conscious creators. We are like co-creators of this reality. And the kind of race hypnosis or the consensus reality that we live in is, is largely manufactured. It's an agreement, as we say, a consensus. It doesn't really reflect the truth of existence. 
it reflects the truth of the distorted human mind. And we call that normal. That's what we call normality. And part of the unveiling of that is to strip away, like the, like the layers of an onion, level and level and level. Because the moment that I started to really seriously do what I call Advaita, self-inquiry, like asking, who am I? Who the fuck am I really? Who am I? Besides, you know, Darpan, besides being a musician, besides being all these labels that I define myself by, who am I really? And this is a very, very fertile line of inquiry because it takes you to the point where you have to realize that by layer by layer, you have to undo yourself. You have to undo the machinery of the personality or the egoic structure. Not to say that the personality or the egoic structure is wrong in itself. It is just a vehicle. That's all it is. But our identification with that structure as being who we are is the problem. That's the issue that we've all been faced with, that we've been unconsciously in that spell. That's what I call the race hypnosis, where we've been taught to identify ourselves as a false personality, as a, as a structured a, a creation. Like, you know, Simon Sutton, you were born that and given in, in capital letters in your, in your birth certificate. But you were bought and sold on the stock market well before you could even talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? And your parents acquiesced. They agreed to that as part of the structure of their consensus reality, of their race hypnosis. And so I think what's happening today is that faced with the enormity of, uh, of uh, and the stringency of, of how that's being really heightened up through lockdowns, through, you know, mandates for vaccinations, through so many different ways where that's really being highlighted. And many people see it, but they're too afraid to do something about it. They'd rather go along with the crowd and not to put their head up so they might get it lopped off, rather than be truthful to who they truly are. That's a, such a beautiful key point, right? Is that yeah, we, talk, is. We, we kind of talk about this fear, we throw it out there, but like literally that fear is um, debilitating, no? And not only, okay. not, not only debilitating, <clears throat> I'd love you to kind of like, Imagine someone's listening to this and they're just, they totally hear you and they get it, right? They can see it, they can feel it, but you know, they're just locked into their job or they're in the system. They've got to pay their rent this month. And like, they just don't know how, you know, they can see this kind of, all this control feels off. The COVID story feels off. Everything feels off, but everyone's telling them other things and they don't know what to do. Like, what would you say to them, Darpan, in that moment when they're feeling that fear come up? Yeah, a good point, Simon, because that's exactly the crux of where we're at. Because I think in the initial stages of when all this coercion started to happen, this psychic coercion, um, mm. most people were, were willing to go along with the narrative because they thought, well, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, these people are elected to look after us. They're making interests in our, in our best, sorry, making decisions in our best interests, presumably. But then as we went along, there was this, you know, the little voice inside, that intuition, that one that knows, the watcher, the witness of all things, the one that is usually drowned out by the din and clamour of our everyday life and our, and our mental uh, chatter, is, is there in everyone. Everyone feels it. And many of those who felt it, like a lot of doctors I know, who deep down felt this is not correct, this is not right what I'm doing, but I'm gonna, not going to rock the boat because if I do, I'll lose my job, and if I, and if I, and if I don't, then I'm going to lose my money, my, my kids won't be able to go to the private school, and so on and so forth. And so they get, locked, they get seduced 
into giving consent, even when it's against their will, they're better knowing. And what the result of that is, there becomes a split inside that human where they know that they've sold themselves out, but they're don't, not willing to take that step to actually align with their truth because it's going to be in their world, it's going to mean in their thinking, that's the end of their world as they know it. Right. Now, this is a very propitious point to be at. It's not a very enviable point because it's very uncomfortable when that's when you know something deep down is not right, but you're just going along with it anyway. Like a lot of people did in the Second World War with Hitler, you know, like with the Jewish people in, in the Second World War. Similar situation. And to bring that back to the hypnotic uh, induction, the race induction, there's a man I've been following, you may have heard of him, called Matthias Desmet, who's the uh, professor of psychology at... Um, a university in Belgium and uh, in Antwerpen, and he came up with this term called mass formation. And that is really like the mass psychosis, which we saw in the Second World War with Hitler, the rise of Hitler and the rise of fascism and the rise of, you know, uh, in, 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 the, in the USSR, of, of the, the rise of extreme communism and totalitarianism, where people get inducted into a certain conceptual framework, whether they like it or not. And if they're not, and many people, in, I believe at that time, felt that little voice inside too, but went along with it anyway. When I talked to a lot of Germans, I said, how come you did it? Well, you know, we didn't know about it, and that was, you know, we didn't know about what was happening with the Jewish people, but we had to go along because that's what you do, you support. So people have all these rationalizations. And so I think that's wearing very thin in our in our time because a lot of people have been rationalizing the narrative for quite some time but many of those people are starting to wake up what i call waking up from the spell from the race hypnosis and uh, matthias desmond who coined this phrase mass formation which is you know race hypnosis um he says that in any out of 100 percent of people 30 percent of people will not buy the narrative they'll just go absolutely not no i don't believe this and then you get like you know, a good 30% or 40% more who who absolutely believe, you know, who are sort of in the middle, like these doctors I was saying, many of I've known this, people like that personally, who feel something is off but they still go along with it. And then you get the other 30% that absolutely believe the narrative. So, but this does shift over time uh, as people start to wake up, particularly when the pressure uh, is brought to bear. And, you know, I would see that with the mandates and, and everything else where people, you know, on the pain of losing their jobs were faced with having to either listen to their internal clock, their internal voice, or go along with, against their better knowledge, with the story. And many, many people did that. But many, many people are waking up from that. I'm part of a group called Parents with Questions. Now, you know, there are people who are all professional, doctors, lawyers, people out there in the marketplace, in you know, uh, working uh, in professional jobs who have come together, and these are all good examples of people who I would put in that middle bracket where they felt deep down something was not right, but they went along with it. But now they've woken up and they're forming networks. And because these people are not what you'd call uh, like uh, alternatives or uh, people who see through the story straight away anyway, but actually don't do that much about it, these people are actually very proactive. They're going out, forming committees, forming groups, 
they're in, 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 you know, like inspiring other people to do the same work. And they're really, really proactive. And although I'm not actively part of them, it's beautiful to see that people, to me, that's a barometer of what's happening in society, regardless of what's saying, being reported in the mainstream media or regardless of what's being reported in the alternative media. When you tap into that middle stream, that middle peak 30 to 40 percent who can feel who are sensitive but don't want to risk their jobs or their lifestyle, a lot of those people are waking up. And, um, and that's a very good sign for me. I feel that that is the tipping point in there. And, you know, we are being brought down to a bottleneck. Things are speeding up. Things are accelerating. Like it's literally like a top where it goes, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. I meet a lot of people and they're like, are you feeling how fast it is right now? Like everything feels fast, rapid. And, you know, in one of your transmissions, you said that, you know, um, we're going for a rapid, uh, a rapid spiritual awakening. But at the same time, of course, for that to happen, when we hit that kind of, um, my friend described it yesterday as like a hockey stick. So we're on this, like, we, we've been on this little bend and then where we're at with technology and everything right now, it's an exponential. We're not we're not going in these other stages that have been previous. We're going into exponential, exponential. Uh, speed, exponential speed. And it's like that hockey stick and it goes straight up. I get tingles yeah. as I say that on my body. Yeah. It goes straight up and the speed that everything's coming. And you said as well in one of your talks about the world as we know it will be unrecognizable by most of us on the planet here today. And what I feel that's so dis discerning and confusing and discombobulating, I love that word, right? Discombobulating is that change is the most, one of the most feared things that humans, even though it's the most constant, it's the thing we fear the most. So we're going through rapid change on all systems. And then of course, you've got all these other storylines and narratives coming like agenda 2030, agenda 2045 now, transhumanism agenda, tech. I mean, we've gone into this technocratic age where- you also, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned this before on the, one of the last podcasts around technology is not the problem. Uh, actually, it's more about the level of consciousness and the way we use tech in terms of merging it, you know, in order to support us and, and so on and so yeah. forth. So yeah, I don't know what that brings up for you, but just that, that kind of just speaking and giving a breath to those listening who can get super overwhelmed, the nervous system is activated. Yeah. They're not, they're not co-regulating. They're not coming back into the present moment to be, you know, to calm down. And it's just too much, right? I mean, you, actually on our last talk, this is just a personal talk. I'm going to bring this in, but you said, um, you said here, I remember I wanted to bring this in. It's a good time. You've mentioned the long dark tunnel, yes. And then you said, um, yes, it's an essential stage of the process of purification, but there's the we need guidance, yeah, to navigate these spaces. And right. um, and you said here ways to deal with them, you know, staying centered, staying focused, not getting too distracted, dealing with dealing with all the challenges that are coming up, because surely they're gonna come up. And then you said, <laughs> yeah, you said here, rolling up the sleeves and getting into the mud. Um and then you spoke about that what's not useful or past its sell-by date is being asked to be looked at, accepted, acknowledged, and let go of. And I'd, I'd love you to speak to just how, how people that are feeling that like rapidness, yeah, just what comes up in this moment. I'd love, I'd love you just to talk to that. 
Yeah, thank you. Um, well, we are in a very, very rapid uh, unfolding, and you're quite correct in saying it will never go back to what we normal. The trajectory of what's coming, the, act, the rate of novelty is increasing to such a rate, plus the kind of technology that a lot of these tech billionaires are sitting on that they haven't released yet is phenomenal. They're holding on to that because they want to release it when everybody's in the digital system and everyone's pretty much accounted for and quantified and put into, into places where they can you know, then be then they'll release this information. For example, in five years' time, there'll be all humans are being done out of a job. Robotics are going to take over everything. It's going to happen in such an exponentially fast rate. And like this is the whole point: is that human beings are, are being put out of a job in the sense that robots don't take sickies, they don't take holidays, they don't get pregnant, they can work twenty four seven. You know, humans are really in the what um, you know. Uh, Rumsfeld once euphemistically called the useless eater bracket. That's what Bill Gates said in one of his videos, useless eaters. I know. And that's the way they see it. So that really, they see that the planet is overpopulated, that they have this new technology that is going to revolutionise the experience of human beings, that human beings are kind of the problem and they need to get rid of a lot of human beings on the planet because... That's what's causing the issues with supply, with, with the sustainability, with having enough resources. As we move forward into this kind of like what some might see as a dystopian reality where human beings are kind of being uh, negated in a certain sense, you know, like there's, there's a sense of like there's too many people on the planet. But for me, I see the opportunity as being different, whereas all this technology is being pretty much controlled and dominated by a very wealthy elite on the planet. Imagine it's the same technology which can be, can be used to control and to suppress consciousness. Imagine if it was to be released on a freeware basis that it could actually do exactly the opposite. It could liberate consciousness. Like, uh, unbelievably, it literally is the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. If the technology nah. were to be used in a positive way, because I'm not against AI, I'm not against quantum computing, I love the technology, but I just don't like the fact that it's being held and controlled by a very few human beings for their own aggrandizement. And I would say that these same human beings are still locked into the paradigm of service to self. And what we're moving into in this transition of, of expansion of consciousness is service to the one and all. And whether they like it or not, these beings who control these technologies and who control the, you know, the political and religious and financial uh, machinations on the planet, they are in in They are going to be drawn into this unerringly. It will happen because this is a cosmic shift of which they may have controls over the technology and all of the the. Issues I mentioned before, polit politics, etc., finances, but they don't have the control over the of the cosmic shift of wheels, and I believe that this is what's happening. And one, uh, there was this really interesting. Just to digress a little bit, there was this really interesting. Uh, uh, there was a whistleblower that came out from a thing called Project Looking Glass, which was you know a, a remote viewing thing that the MK Ultra and the CIA were into for many many years. And that their prize remote viewer, he came out 
and they wanted to hire him to say, okay, we want you to go into the future for about 20 to 30 years from now and just tell us what you see. Have you heard about this? Yeah, yeah, no, but I want you to say it again because I've heard it, yeah. You, you actually yeah, told me, he, I, want you to t- I want you to share it for the listeners. Okay, so he went in and he saw what he came back with. He said there was just incredible human awakening. It was absolutely extraordinary. All those deep yearnings that we all feel in our soul, these visions of being connected and kind of like, you know, an open, connected consciousness, it was happening. And this was obviously not what these beings who, who hired him wanted to hear. So they said, okay, what about if we do this, 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 and this and change the parameters? Go in now and see what you see. And he did this and he came back again. He said, yeah, it happened differently that time, but there was still this amazing human awakening. And they did this a number of times and uh, came back with the same answer. And so he says that what he feels, it's a little bit like having two world-class chess players facing each other off in a final chess game. And um, and each player is like an incredible player. And player A looks down onto the chessboard and realizes, holy shit, I'm buggered in seven moves. I'm 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 stuffed. It's checkmate. And he looks at player B and he realizes player B realizes it too. And so what do you do at that stage? Do you just inexorably play it to that last minute? Or do you give up there and then? I don't think they're into giving up. I think they're bringing to bear every amount of power and control and influence that they possibly can at this point, trying the heart, their hardest to keep people in the lower, like the shadow emanations of the lower chakras through fear, through pornography, through so many different ways to keep you in a power abuse, uh, through hypnosis, to keep people, you know, and to keep people in that consumer kind of mentality, which is the the caterpillar mentality, because caterpillars are just, you know, synonymous with consuming. And, but what is happening inexorably is that the sun, this is a whole other topic, the sun is actually sending massive new waves onto not just our Earth, but to, onto into everybody, all the other planets in the solar system. And there is a massive shift happening with the sun, which is affecting us and affecting everything in the solar system. And I believe that that's where these energies are being are being sourced from and that that is the driving force for what is happening with human consciousness. Now, uh, if that happens as he saw it, then if these beings that have these technologies actually tap into that larger consciousness and realize that themselves as, the, as being part of a collective, a unified field of collective consciousness, the the morphogenetic field that we are all a part of, in which we are a sentient point of awareness, but we are the whole at the same time. If they can grasp that, then welcome, come with us, this is through. But if they cannot, if they choose to stay in that, you know, dominion where they have in the third and fourth dimension, where they're working with magic and working with certain entities and working with all the powers that be in this third dimensional plane, i.e. finances, the the monetary system, etc., etc., then they are doomed because this is just something that's going to happen. And, you know, uh, I, I believe that that I've seen these visions so deeply that there's no doubt in my soul, in my mind, that's what's happening. But I think that we need to take each moment step by step. And so I don't try and project too far forward uh, except for to remind people of the bigger picture because what where we are right now is in the tunnel. And we need to look at that. We need to look at the shadow. We need to own all the areas where we've been giving away consent, giving away uh, 
acquiescing to all kinds of unconscious demands upon us uh, out of fear or out of just uh, normalcy or out of just not knowing any better. And what's happening as people are awaking, it's becoming more and more obvious and clear that we need to be very, take responsibility for our choices and that everything that is comes to us is presented as an offer. And often we think we have no choice. You know, we have to do this because of this and this and this and this. But actually we do. We have a choice. And hence that's where sovereignty comes in. Hence that's we have the choice to say, I do not consent. And this is all it takes, brother. It's as simple as that. It's simply taking charge of the vehicle, taking charge of our own consciousness and going, no, hang on, one moment. Um, I am a sovereign being. I am a creative being. I, I, I st I'm starting to understand that my thoughts, my feelings and my actions determine what reality I experience. So therefore, how about coming back into that and starting to look there and plumb and divine those depths and start to embrace ourselves as, as the source, as, as like the, from which all things come, and that in so doing it will feel insecure at the beginning. You know, you'll be beset by all kinds of doubts and fears, but more and more people as they come together and support each other in that are able to take that step. And that step is inexorably being made by humanity. It's like having, having like a set of scales and at the moment the set of scales looks like the negativity so-called uh, is far outweighing the positive conscious attributes. But look, what's, being, what's happening is that conscious attributes are being put onto that scale all the time in every moment and one day just one little extra thing and the whole thing will shift it'll be that dramatic just like a set of scales and uh, the thing is our attention is being taken onto that which is fearful that which is a threat that which is we need to be aware of and to be careful of and that which we uh, you know uh, subscribe to like our job and our religion and all of the things we believe that who make up who we are but as we disengage from outside authority Little bit by little bit, we add to that other little, you know, that other part of the scales, which is morphogenetic too. It's greater than the sum of its parts. And it starts to make a deep impact within the collective consciousness. And when we get to that magic 10 to 15%, which is the critical mass within the human collective, suddenly people will start to get it really quickly. It's like a wave. It's like first takes a while to swell, 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 and it's cresting, 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 and then whoosh, yeah. it comes. Yeah. So even if yeah. we can't see it at this point in our visible reality, except for maybe in ourselves or our friends, trust in that. And this is another thing. We need to learn how to trust. Really, this is the issue, the key element within this. We need to trust ourselves. We need to trust the authority within. We need to reconnect with that spirit within. doesn't matter whether you conceptualize it as your higher self or God or goddess or, you know, some, however you conceptualize it, you know, the existence. But we need to connect with that, make it that personal connection. And that will give us the energy, the courage, the commitment to have what it takes to disengage from authority. We only need to make one little step towards that and existence will bring back ten steps towards us because that's just what's happening at this time. But if we are stymied by fear, and insecurity and confusion, 
we won't be willing to make even that one step. And the result will be a tightening of, it's like a Chinese burn. It'll be a tightening of the grip. More and more tension will come into our lives. More and more anxiety, more and more fearfulness, more and more insecurity. So it's really uh, incumbent upon each being inside of themselves to make that step of, I choose love. Because it's really a binary choice, choosing love or fear, and both are viruses. Fear is a virus, but so is love. And we just have to decide right here and now, which side of that equation am I going to place myself? And even if it looks insecure, because it is, but there's a great wisdom in insecurity because this, in, the beautiful thing about insecurity is you don't take anything for granted and you are fully present with this moment. And that's how insecurity can be used in a very positive way because I call it the wisdom of insecurity because that way we actually embrace ourselves in the rawness of this moment without any crutches or without any kind of like, you know, structures to fall back on as we've had in the past, which have been comfortable. We've been in a creche, basically. We've been a little kindergarten, human, human family, and we've been, you know, shitting in our own nappies and, you know, but we're growing up and it's time to wake up and become body trained and take responsibility and stop soiling the planet, stop soiling each other and realize that we were part of the one morphogenetic field of consciousness. We are part of the same unified field, as I said earlier, of which we are a sentient point of awareness, a sense of I amness, but that I amness extends to the totality of all things. And in that understanding, in that awareness, and it is a finite awareness that is beyond the mind's linear projections and extrapolations, it is an experience of the heart. It is an experience that we can approach with meditation. It is an experience we can approach with ecstatic dance or with, uh, with doing deep inner work upon ourselves or using sacred plants or worshipping nature, whatever worship means to you. But these are all doorways to that mystery, what I call the mystery. And after all, life is uh, you know, not a problem to be solved. You can't just pull it apart and put it back together. It is a mystery to be bowed down to. And when we can bow down to our own mystery, our own magnificence, that sense of the incomprehensible unknown, which the mind, with its idea of beginning and end, is not hardwired to, uh, to, uh, to understand what infinity is to grok what infinity is. It's just impossible for the mind to do it because there's always a beginning and always an end. Right? We're born and we die and time appears to pass in between. But in fact, that's not the reality. And we are being birthed into, a rea into an experience of reality which gives us an experience of that infinite moment, the eternal now, right now, right now, yes, and now again, and right now in this moment. And to keep ourselves grounded in that uh, is the way through all of this. Yes. And that's no... There's no security of that. That's what I call the wisdom of insecurity, standing at the abyss consciously and accepting it and loving it and moving forward on that basis and then finding other lights and other beings who are also embodying that reality, coming together, magnifying that reality together. And it will, it will be inexorable. It will be ineffable. It will be so amazing once we start to see the results in the actual world. At the moment, it's still happening because we're in the tunnel. We're still happening inside of ourselves. We're still sorting out who, who am I and who is the other? What if I? What is borrowed knowledge and what is actually my own truth? What uh, What is my real nature and what is my borrowed nature? Uh, all of these things we're sorting out right now in the, in the Hall of Mirrors. And right. we need to go through that and we need to own all of the darkness 
that we've been unconsciously promulgating in our lives and we've been blaming this or blaming that situation or this person or this event or, or whatever, we need to reel all that back in and own it. And I think that's what we're doing in the dark tunnel right now. And the first step is to learn how to refuse an offer, is to say, I do not consent. Yeah, thank you for the offer, but no, sorry, I don't consent. It's not, it's not my truth. And that's all it takes. Whereas fear is the, is the messenger, is, the, is the, the kind of avenue through which these people are gaining consent through the manipulation of fear. Let, let, let's just, let's have a pause because that is like a lot. Yeah. This is just for everyone listening, just like it's really like to just take a pause, take a breath. Because when Darpan delivers, there's a lot unfolding. And even after, may have to go back and listen again and just to weave it in. Maybe some of it just makes total sense for you. But let's just take a moment of pause just to let this take a breath. Maybe you're driving, listening to this. Maybe you're walking down the road. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot happening. And <clears throat> maybe if you, are, if you are moving and walking down the road listening to this or, you know, when I say take a pause, it's to really let this integrate because this this is this isn't just words, but words are power. So we're allowing the words to have a uh, an information, and there are information that's reconfiguring so much of our uh, subconscious. So we just yeah. have like just have like just ten seconds of silence, and then we're we're continue. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much, uh, Darpan. And and as as I'm listening to you, because I resonate with so much, and I see it like this, and live this, and see the potential that's unfolding in the world, and different people starting up communities, and hu humans are self, um, uh, uh, not only self-regulating but self-organizing right now. There's, as you said earlier, there's different beings in different walks of life. In in the way you described it, kind of 30, 30, 30, 40, with the whole mass formation and, and there's this you know there is this beautiful unfolding and and how I how I envision it at times because you know when we drop out of the head and we drop into the heart and we come into this present moment as you describe and however that is you also describe you know it can be ecstatic dance meditation plant medicine you know we're coming together we're gathering in circle and I know you do a lot of this work and Actually, last time our podcast got postponed because you was also in a beautiful uh, sharing circle of, uh, you know, over 40 or more beings coming together. And so there's like there's these multiple timelines playing out and and these timelines we can depend on, as you said, depending on where we put our focus, energy goes. So, you know, if we focus on the fear, we focus on the dystopia, we focus on the oh, transhumanism is going to be a nightmare for us all. Or, or if I don't have a job, uh, who will I be without the job? Or if robots come in and, and take over everything, like, uh, you know, who am I? Like, what will I do with my life? And and so, you know, for me, it's like when we drop into the heart and we drop into this present moment and we kind of 
transcend so much of the stories, right, which are created from the identification to our, our egoic small selves or the pain or what I call the pain body. And we're kind of in this, you know, I often call it the Star Wars Darpan, the Star Wars battle. Now it's like films are being depicted from all of this constant hero's journey and the battle of the light and the dark and Darth Vader and, you know, the Jedi Knights. And, you know, we have this like narrative playing out, right? which, you know, when I wake up and I do these calls of you or we're on this path and we're moving through the shadows, it's sometimes I'm like, when I'm just sat in nature and I'm by the by the water or I'm like, none of this exists, right? No. It's like, it, none of it exists. I'm sat there looking at a butterfly <laughs> dance or I'm looking at the ants doing their thing. And I'm like, like all of this stuff that we created is so at times surreal, right? But it's happening. I know it's happening. And so I said something earlier about, and we, I know we, I know some of the stuff for those listening, we've repeated before, and you know, it's on, if you listen to the other podcast, you might go, yeah, you, you've said that before, but it's, it's actually really important that repetition and you hear these things multiple times because our old conditioning, our old subconscious programming doesn't just rewire itself instantly. Okay. On some levels, I wish it would. So I don't know what's, what's alive in you from what I say to this stuff, and you can speak to you know anything that comes up, but you mentioned this word trust and you, uh, the, our last podcast was called Trust and Surrender to the Process of Awakening. Um, so I don't know if that feels aligned now, but there's just something about, like, to you said it, to really trust your intuition, to really trust your self, right? To, to come back to that self-empowerment. Are you hearing me okay still? Is it, are we good? Good line? Yeah? And drop down. Yeah. Right yeah? Yeah, good. Yeah, so, yeah, does that feel, based on where we're going, does that feel aligned? Like this thing of like, what, what does it, what does, what's required to, to start to trust our own intuition and to really come back to that self-empowerment? Good. Well, I actually, that's, think that's the very essence of what we're going through in this. We call this this consciousness shift that human beings or the planet is going through. Uh, you know, we often talk about it as a global shift in consciousness, but in reality, it's an individual shift in consciousness. It happens in every individual. It's not a political movement. It's not an ideological treatise. It's not something that we have to agree to or whatever. It's not something somebody thought up that's a really great idea. This is reconnecting. It's literally uh, disconnecting from that which we have used to measure what is real and to reconnect with our deep innermost. And this is a very scary thing for many people because, I mean, anybody who's on the spiritual path has had to go through that journey. And, you know, there are many books describing exactly that journey in so many different ways where one has to go through that insecurity of like, whoa, letting go of the outer world, letting go of the what we thought was real and, and what we thought was normal and okay and, and reconnect to something deeper within, knowing that that deep depth within is actually something so much vaster than this personality can ever hope to understand. So that's called trust because the, the mind always wants proof. It wants yeah. proof that this is so and that's not so, et cetera, et cetera. And Ever the mind's a great tool. It's a great tool when it's in servant of spirit. 
But right now we need to reconnect with, with spirit. Let's call it spirit for want of a better term. Could call it your higher self, could call it God, goddess, whatever. But let's call it spirit. And it's, a, it's an invitation to reconnect with spirit and to let spirit decide what is real, what will happen, what will occur. And, you know, there's a great, when I've, when this first happened to me, which was about 25 years ago, I had an experience which absolutely uh, changed me in terms of where I positioned myself in life. Up until then, everything I'd thought about, everything I'd planned, everything I'd dreamed, pretty much had come true, but only insofar as I'd dreamed it, only insofar as I'd planned it, etc., etc. What happened after that experience with me was that I went, right, okay, because I had a full experience of the divine, of what one might call samadhi, some people might call non-dual awareness, some people might call, you know, an enlightened state. It happened for a finite period of time, but it seemed like an eternity when it happened because there was no time. It was an experience beyond this linear 3D space-time reality which was able to embrace something like infinity, something like eternity because it was a mindless state. It didn't require that my brain to be there to have that experience. It happened on a far, something far deeper level. And I would call that deep level an alignment of my being with existence, with spirit. And when one's being comes in alignment with spirit, one has this uh, ineffable and indubitable experience that is beyond any proof. No proof is required. The experience is so real and so visceral that it, it makes this 3D space-time look pale by comparison. And so when one is blessed by an experience like that, and it might just come randomly, it might come through having done a lot of work with meditation, it might come through sacred plants, it might come through any different avenue, doesn't matter. But once you have that experience, you are changed. It, you never quite look at existence the same way again. Because you, you start to have an intimation of the reality in your own, on your own authority, not on some borrowed knowledge of that reality. And this is what I call trust. Trust is trusting that inner authority and abandoning yourself to that, to that which is I am that, to I amness, uh, to something that is greater than myself. One could call it your spirit. And, uh, and to let spirit suddenly decide what will happen. And from that day on, I ceased to make plans. I ceased to put dreams actively into, into place. What I said then was, not my will, but thy will be done. So if something, you know, like really I'm here as a vehicle on this earth. I'm a vessel, imperfect that I may be, but I'm, I'm here, willing, whole, and total, and committed. And please just give me the next step. That's all I need to know. If, if that experience that you gave me for a period of time, which seemed like an eternity, is where we're going, then I don't need to know how we're getting there. That's your business. That's the business of spirit. Me, this personality here on the earth, this vessel, which I am more immortal and infinite as well because I'm not separate from that sense of spirit, that unified field of consciousness, but I am in this avatar, this mortal coil that I call my body, my brain, my mind, my personality, to um, be a vessel, to be filled, imbued with that energy so that I no longer need to make decisions about where we're going. Once I get the next step from existence, what I do then is I call upon my brain, my mind, my feelings, my emotion, I bring everything to bear to fulfill that 
task that I've been given by spirit. Then I plan things. I might plan, a, you know, if I, if I say, okay, spirit says, you know, go and uh, have this uh, talk with, with Simon, then I will make, you know, make myself available, get my computer ready, do the things I need to do, or if I need to go overseas, I do that, I order my tickets. But all I do is I'm fulfilling that inspiration that was given to me by spirit. It's not coming from me, from the little I that wants this or that. And so right. once you do that, then once that job has been done, you say, give me the next step. And, ex and existence will give you the next step. And then when right. that job is done, you ask for the next step. And at a certain point down the track, you look back and you go, wow, I would never had the, would have had the courage, nor the temerity, nor the inspiration to walk such a path as I've been blessed to walk since that day when I shifted from my brain organizing things with all my fear base involved in that story to just going, I'm putting my fear base aside because this experience that exists, spirit gave me just makes that pale by into insignificance right. and that's what I'm deciding to follow. So I dedicate myself to that. And you know, Simon, since that time, my life has been so much simpler. It's been, you enter what I call the flow of synchronicity. When you can trust on that depth, you enter the flow of synchronicity and things happen just as they should. And they happen perfectly and beautifully. Not to say that they're not without their challenges and without their difficulties, but whatever challenges and difficulties you have, you are given all the energy you need to move through that. And hence your growth, hence the expansion, hence the opening. And we can start to work with the shadow in a really, really quality way rather than condemning the shadow, saying the shadow's bad and I need to get rid of this and lose that and, and drop that. You can embrace the shadow. And you can go, that I, I, you are also me. I am you, you am I, in Lakesh. And that we can now, together, become whole. And whole is, an, is, is another word for healing, healing, holing. You know, like basically human beings will never, ever be perfect. Even the great beings that I was fortunate enough to sit with who I believe were fully realized beings, um, they were still human beings. They still had their little likes and dislikes and their little foibles and you know inconsistencies but they there was never any division inside of themselves they embraced all of that so there was never any division and that's that blessed state it's a state of becoming whole and becoming free and that is within the grasp of every human being you don't need to know special information like quran or sutras or you know whatever else esoteric information you don't need to be a special person every human being can embrace that by tapping by disengaging from outside authority and reconnecting with inner authority saying not my will but thy will be done in other words realizing that we are part of the unified field and that we are here to to support and be in service to the one and all which i am that one and all and i and once you enter into that state you could no sooner harm anybody or cause negative you know, attributes to anybody, then you would do that to yourself. Because the natural law of what the Hindus call ahimsa, which is harm ye none, but do what you like, but harm ye none. Then all the rule books just get thrown away because you have a natural uh, guide, a natural barometer of what is the right thing to do in any given moment. And that comes through the agency of your intuition, which you have given full permission to be heard. And when you are in that divine state, 
it, it, what I call the flow of synchronicity, then things happen naturally and beautifully and effortlessly just as they should. And you start to realize that the world with all of its imperfections is absolutely perfect, just as it is. With all of its inconsistencies and all of its battles, it was, that's what we do here. We're here to resolve that polarity shift. We're here to integrate and to, you know, bridge the polarity gap into a unified field of awareness. And so that's what I call merging with spirit, becoming one with spirit. Right, and by and doing that... that requires trust. Yeah, yeah, not only it requires trust, but by doing that, I mean, there's a deep acceptance. Yes, there's a, deep, there's a deep acceptance now because like everything yes. that we've gone everything we've gone through today like even all of the you know the challenges the cha you know the the what the, the what could come what couldn't come you know like what's going to happen what's not going to happen kind of all of this future projections or assumptions or judgments or the you know the fears of the past or the wounding that we've <clears throat> held on to the trauma experiences we've had actually what you're pointing through through your experience and you know, I had something similar in my own journey and many others is when we tap into that awakening, our eyes open, the real eyes, you know, some call it the, you know, the third eye vision. We start to have that inner vision we, or, or, you know, we go into that inner under, inner standing and everything that you're pointing to today. And I'm just kind of, you know, weaving in for for the listeners, but and for myself in this moment is that you know, Ram Dass and many others have pointed to this along the way, but there's this, you know, seeing it all and seeing the divine perfection in it all is part of the realization that I am divine and there's a divine perfection. And actually, as you describe so beautifully, when we surrender to the fact that we're a conduit to the greater intelligence, the cosmic intelligence, this beautiful, wondrous uh, spirit, as you describe it, that's permeating every cell of our being, it's making our heart beat, that birthed us into existence through the, through the very yeah. canal of, of our, of our yeah. mother, uh, you know, and then birthed us into being. And here we are, here to, to uh, unfold into the divine that we are. And then play, right? I want to bring us to back to play. But before we go to play, because when I hear you talk about full surrender, let go of the doing persona, be here now, be here now, right? As it was the book of Ramdas, be here now and play, see the perfection. And then through that, you, you described it as ahimsa, I'm, I'm contributing because I'm, I'm allowing myself to surrender to all this other nonsense and actually uh, be of service. And then one thing I want to uh, ask you and to explore around this, yeah, we're here to, to play, right? To, to uh, as in India, they call it Leela, right? The divine play. <clears throat> but <clears throat> before that, maybe you'll weave it in or whatever comes up, but there's this big talk on the planet right now around forgiveness. And even in the, you know, spiritual self-development worlds or whatever you want to term them as because as we know they're all all limited these words but there's this sense of if yeah. if the divine feminine that isn't honored and and really um allowed to come into full expression and that can look in different ways right we can look at the female-bodied being as as a divine feminine but there's a feminine in each of us as a male-bodied being as well right the qualities the essence but this idea of the male um, bowing down and giving this uh, permission, and of, of course the, the female body beings taking that permission and really allowing the divine feminine come into some, um, uh, let's say, uh, 
more reverence, if you will, and, and more, uh, yeah, just permission is the word that's coming up. I don't know what's come up in your circles or your exploration of this, but I'd love us just to weave that in a little bit because it's been a big topic. I don't know if that resonates with you to talk to, but like, I'd, lo yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit from you on that. Well, beautiful, because you've mentioned a, a few salient points that are really, really key points here. And the first one was acceptance. You know, that word, that thing of, of stop, get, get out of your own way. Get out of the flow of, you know, that, that is existence. To, to stop resisting that flow, basically. In other words, one of my teachers used to say, it, existence is showering upon you all the time. But you've got this umbrella upon you going, where's the juice? Where's the thing? And all we need to do is take down the umbrella. In other words, don't resist. And, and really, that's the key thing is to accept ourselves on such a deep level. And this is very, very difficult for, for many of us because... We've been taught to judge ourselves and therefore judge others and to judge things as being imperfect or wrong or not right or that things need fixing or changing. Even in the new age, there's this whole notion you know, of we have all these subpersonalities. Well, I would say the most, the most the subpersonality that is running most of the new ages is this thing called the new age pusher who's always trying to make themselves better, make themselves more perfect, improve themselves, you know, do this better, I'll be a better version of myself if I do this, this and this. Well, yes and no. Yes, of course, therapy and, and, and improving yourself, bringing consciousness to that which is unconscious is a beautiful thing, but not to the point where you're negating who you truly are at any moment, and that is you are the divine spark, and so you are already it. You are that, you are connected to the divine. It's just that we've become unaware of it. We've become separated from it. And, and in denial of who we truly are is the very split that, create, that makes it very difficult and even seem inauthentic to accept ourselves on really deep levels. Because in accepting ourselves on really deep levels, we need to accept also the shadow, as we mentioned earlier. And this is a really crucial point. You know, the shadow, acceptance. Acceptance, and the next step after acceptance is forgiveness. It's forgiving all those who, who you believe have wronged you. Finally taking full responsibility for your experience by, by bringing, hauling back in all that blame that we've apportioned out to events and people and situations that we thought were responsible for our experience. And by taking full responsibility... Of, of, of ourselves, we therefore can give that gift to others too. And in so doing, forgiveness is so powerful. It's the one that can unleash, unbind, uh, you know, dis, you know uh, undo all of those ties and bonds, those karmic bonds that we've carried around for lifetimes. And this is a very crucial moment in the evolution of the planet, in the evolution of human consciousness, where there is a great uh, opportunity to be able to draw from spirit at this time, to let go, to, to, to forgive ourselves mostly, but from forgiving ourselves, that extends to others. And, you know, to really just realize, wow, I've been the writer, the actor, the producer, the director of this show of my life all along, you know, and yet I've apportioned out those roles to other people at different times and had a fractured experience or not a completely fulfilling one. And so, like, yes, self-acceptance, leading self-acceptance leading to acceptance of what is, 
then forgiveness of all that is not in alignment or is perceived as being not in alignment. And then from there, when one has done that, once one has done that work on oneself and accepted the shadow, integrated ourselves, started to take responsibility for our own creation and um, have uh, reconnected with that inner authority, then what else is there but to play, to enjoy, to, to share, to uh, celebrate, to, uh, you know, uh, just share for the sheer joy of it. This is what happens when you realise that you are part of a unified field of consciousness and that although you are a sentient point of awareness in it, within it you are actually the whole and therefore everyone you see is another yourself, hence the Mayan in Lakesh. It really becomes a lived reality. And once it becomes a lived reality or a perceived reality, once perception changes, Everything out there in the world starts to shift and change inexorably. It has no option but to right. do so. Right. So the powers that be who are controllers, I call the controllers, are trying their damnedest to distract you from that process, to reconnect through hypnosis to outside authority as if that has some sort of authority. But it's really just a house of cards. It's really like in The Wizard of Oz when they finally walk up and they've reached their destination and this massive booming voice comes out, the voice of the wizard, they pull away the curtain and this is wizened old man with a big megaphone. You know, the realisation that the power was with us all along, that we were just giving our power away willy-nilly to whoever asked it. Oh, you want more? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling worthy here. You, you decide. You, you're real. You, know, give me, you tell me what to do. Give me a rule book on how I can live life. You know, right. and this is what we're doing, giving away our power to politicians, to priests, what I call the unholy mafia of the mind, the priests and the politicians who have come together way back in the Council of Nicaea in the 4th century AD under Constantine, the emperor, who brought the Roman Catholic Church and uh, the state into one entity in order to better control the people. And we are facing a very similar situation today where we're being herded into a kind of a corral which is the sanctified corral of the powers that be. But what is happening in unerringly and inexorably is that slowly people are going, just like in Plato's cave where people have been satisfied with watching shadows on the wall, suddenly they go, hey, fuck, there's a sun outside. There's a whole world out there. And, you know, and... And people are starting to open up to that. Stop watching the shadows. Stop being entranced by the flickering play of light and dark on the consciousness on the screen of our mind by all the avenues that are so apparent. You know, mainstream media being the most obvious and the most glaringly obvious of, of that example of being a, mass, a tool of mass hypnosis. So we need to become conscious of that. Consciously take our power back. It's yeah, like I, like walking. That, I, like that. I like that. Like just become like this is the beautiful thing as well. Awareness, no? Like often I say that, you know, people are like, oh, but what do I do? What do I not do? It's actually awareness, which is the greatest tool, because when you can see that, when you know that the TV is a self-hypnosis machine, you don't use it. When you know that these phones have become also a monitoring self-hypnosis machine, if you go on here and you just look at porn or just surf YouTube and just surf Facebook, you're still in the self-hypnosis. Don't think that you don't have a TV in your hand and this TV is going to soon become a chip and that chip is soon going to control you because you'll be able to turn off your, uh, turn off your money, turn off your uh, connection, turn off everything because you've 
acquiesce to this. So use this as a tool, but make sure that this doesn't become the next hypnosis machine, right? Beautifully said. It's it's really like like realizing that these tools, once they are under the dominion of oneself, can be used consciously, creatively, and with awareness. But if you are a slave to watching it and going to see what's Facebook and getting endorphin hits from how many likes you've got on a page or whatever, then you are firmly enslaved in that whole uh, situation that you described so well. I know it because I've been sucked into it. I think that phone yeah, didn't suck me in. It sucked, sucked me in big time. YouTube sucked Absolutely. me in. I was looking yeah. at views. And then I watched the like the stuff from the founders of Facebook, and I saw the you know the social dilemma, and the the guys come out and started saying, yeah, we just we designed this and didn't realize that it was going to be this powerful, but we actually kind of designed it in so that we would hook you in, and you'd be, and it's like shit. I thought I was off my addictions, and you guys hooked me, and now I'm addicted to social media. Ah! I know it's diabolical when you look at it, but we have only have ourselves to blame because we are the ones that up the phone we are the ones that keep going it and we are the ones but you know the thing is i i love the saying that you need a thorn to take out a thorn yeah like okay. you can really use the thorn to take out the thorn nice. and so it can be a very useful tool so by using this technology even in the way that we're doing now we're using a thorn to take out a thorn so we're using that technology of so it's not to be condemned outright what we nice. really need to do is become more conscious as you say, awareness is the key. And awareness is free. Nobody needs to buy it. Nobody's selling it to you. <laughs> Me and you can, we can, we can product this. Let's product oh, this. We could. We can make a fortune, man. We'll sell it. We'll market it. Get a really lovely package. You know? Star oh, <laughs> awareness. Star oh, Pound awareness. Star Pound Sci awareness. Well, come on. We can do this. No, the great thing is it's there for everyone. And all it requires is your is your awareness, is your willingness, is your, is your commitment to say, I'm taking ch charge of my vehicle, of my body, mind, spirit. And that's yeah. all it requires. And then from then on to go, I actually don't know how to get out of this mess. I'm stuck in this trap, this invisible prison. I've got no fucking idea how to get out of it. So, you know, give me some inspiration. Give me some messages. In other words, you have a dialogue with spirit and you humbly state the reality I'm in a prison. I'm addicted to these things. How can I? How can I move through this? And it's yeah, not you can ask waiting. for help. You can ask for help. You can ask yes, for help. Exactly. Yes. And help will come through yes. one avenue or another. It will come through some something something somebody says, or a podcast like this, or or some or a book that you pick up, or an inspiration in the moment of meditation, or walking in the in the nature, and and a bird flies by, and just make you realize what freedom is. Whatever. But it's like. It's taking that being open to being guided into our, into uh, outside of the prison, into our natural state. And that's all it requires is the willingness. If, if existence or spirit sees that we have willingness, existence or spirit will bend over backwards in order to assist. It just has no option. But if we're there busy being a victim going, oh, my God, and you know, I can't get it. This is wrong and that's wrong and my life's really fucked up and I need my devices. At least I'm getting some sort of like solace out of getting, keeping connection to all these dubious, you know, things that I'm a part of and, you know, and this, this promulgation of the illusion. And there's nothing wrong with the illusion. We're faced with illusions all the time, but it's important to know that it's an illusion.
As you mentioned this word Leela, it actually means play. Illusion can be lots of fun. You know, because Neptune, which is the god of illusion in astrology, is also the god of enlightenment. It's the god of deep insight, you know, as well as being an illusion. And the so paradox. Can, the paradox. The paradox. Another beautiful day in paradox, as it is every day. And, and so, I, haven't heard I haven't heard that before. I love that. I That's love a Byron that. Bay one, man, yeah. I haven't heard that one. Another beautiful, I always just say another beautiful day in paradise, but another beautiful day in paradox. You can make a bumper sticker, man. Simon Transparently, another beautiful day in paradox. Oh my God. We're going to make so much money after this podcast. <laughs> but really, to bring it back to point, that's exactly what it requires, just a conscious acceptance and, to, and discernment so that you know if you're entering into the illusion, there's nothing wrong with entering into illusion as long as you know it's an illusion. It only creates a problem when you think, it's not an illusion when you think it's a reality. And then you can be playful with reality. One can become the divine magician and start to go and, and be in realities knowing what the truth is, that the divine source is within me, that I am it. The sense of I amness is, is what spirit is, that I am not separate from spirit, that I am connected to the divine. Therefore, I am whole. Therefore, I am free in any given moment and that I can trust that because there's no way of knowing that to be true other than to trust it. And the magic is once you do trust it, it just manifests the reality of that again and again and again in your personal experience. But there's no way you'll know that unless you trust it. You can't hedge it, you can't contrive it, you can't go, well, what, I'll just stick my toe in the water and see how it goes, and if it's good, I'll go, I'll trust. No, trust is absolute. It means getting out of the mind. It means I give myself over to something larger than myself. I believe there is a, a, a that, that I, not the, the little I that I am is not capable of seeing the big picture. Therefore, I trust that spirit of which I am a part once you understand you're a part of spirit, that you are an, an indubitable part of spirit, then it's possible to start experimenting. And that's all I ask the listeners to do. Don't believe what I'm saying. Don't believe what Simon's saying. Use it as a guideline, perhaps as an inspiration, perhaps as a, an opening of a door, but check it out for yourself. The only way you'll know is to, is to experiment and be fun, be playful with it. Experiment with these ideas. And if it feels a little bit scary, well, good, scary and but fun. You know what I mean? Things are especially beautiful if they're a little bit scary. The hero's journey would be a very dull affair if the danger wasn't involved. But in the end, you are immortal, eternal and infinite. So what is there to fear? In the end, all that we perceive in the outer world is an extrapolation of our own consciousness. So what is there to fear? In the end... We are consciousness, pure consciousness, beyond this mortal coil and this avatar of which I inhabit right now. So what is there to fear about death? And you start with little things. You start trusting little things that you know, okay, I'm not going to bite off more than I can chew. So let's start with just trusting, uh, you know, uh, by going into meditation 20 minutes a day and seeing what happens and just trusting that and trusting that something will evolve. Do that. And once you've mastered that, then you can try something a little bigger, a little bit more ambitious. Then you can trust, you can right up to where you go, okay, I trust existence. I trust spirit. I am a humble servant of spirit. And I am synonymous with that spirit. I am it. It is I. And therefore, 
Whatever I do is an emanation of spirit. Therefore, it's not my will be done. Therefore, I can't make a mistake. Therefore, if I do make a mistake, a mistake, it's simply an indication of how to tack the sail as you're navigating through the now, through this moment of now. And that's the way we grow. And so then if you are willing to do that process just with little steps into bigger steps, you will be rewarded in such great ways, in ways that I can't explain to you because it's unique for and individual for every person, depending upon the parameters and the circumstances and, and the level of understanding, etc. But I guarantee one thing, that it will deliver, that it will deliver in ways that will be surprising and beautiful and playful and interesting and challenging and sometimes downright frustrating. But it will challenge you, aspects of your own being that will come under, under let's say, uh, under the microscope where you, with your awareness you can say, uh-huh, so this is me in this relationship with this. I've just done this, this and this and that. This has happened. Um, can I embrace that? Can I embrace myself on levels where now I can trust on deeper levels where I can start not just uh, sorting out my issues, whether I need more courage, more love, more, or I need a new car or whatever it is on the material plane, but coming to a point where I can be in service and start to trust for the benefit of all beings, for the uh, evolution of, of human consciousness, for the unfolding of, of life on this planet, where I can, through my awareness, and it's just simple awareness, um, become more conscious and therefore that awareness becomes a, a laser point on those areas which no longer serve me, especially those areas that are conscious. Either I, when I bring my laser point of awareness onto that, either they fall away naturally or they integrate into my being by being accepted and being whole, becoming whole. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with the shadow. The shadow is a beautiful being. Learn to dance with the shadow. Learn to have fun with the shadows, not to be condemned. While we condemn it, we make it wrong, like they say, hell hath no fury than a woman scorned. Well, it's the same with the shadow. If you scorn the shadow and put it under the carpet, it'll start operating from beneath our level of awareness and cause all kinds of havoc in our lives. The moment we embrace it and say, come home, I know I have a victim in me. I know I have a killer. I know that sometimes I want to just fucking, you know, let go and, and just hurt somebody, but I'm going to bring that consciously into me now and, and I can see the need there's no longer a need for that because I'm actually giving the shadow what it wanted right in the first place, the gift of attention. And yeah. when you embrace the shadow, it becomes richness, just like the night and the day. That Who's to say the day is beautiful, the night is bad, full of boogeymen? No. The night has its own poetry, its own magic, its own beauty, its own mystery. And so by embracing the night, the light and the dark within ourselves, and that means a shadow, then we become whole and we, and we secure dominion over ourselves as whole beings. It's beyond yin and yang. It's where yin and yang become whole. As you know, there's always a bit of yin and yang and a bit of yang and yin, but, and so there's always been this eternal dance. But as we come together and embrace them both totally, in other words, when you can look into the face of God and look into the face of the devil and recognize them both as your own true face, then you are free then you are free. You are free of that polarity dance. And this, I, I believe that this is being played out in the field of, of um, gender and sexuality and just the divine masculine and feminine on the planet uh, more so than 
in any other area because what's happened is, you know, no need to go in for the listeners about the suppression of women consciousness in the past. I mean, women didn't only even got the vote here in Australia back in the 60s, you know what I mean? And, you know, women were seen as goods and chattels of someone who was married and women just basically were women and that played their role. Well, as you know, in the 60s and 70s, that all changed with the sexual revolution and, and with awareness and changing of the roles and, and realising that men also can get in touch with their divine feminine and the same for women. And that we've all been operating from a basically, say I'm a masculine person, but there are all these shells that we had across, like different shells of feminine and masculine that were obscuring the true uh, outpouring of that divine essence. And what's happening is that women or the divine feminine, which has been chained and demonized for the last, I don't know, couple of millennia, you know, um, with, a, with a male dominator attitude, uh, fortunately that's shifting and changing and we're seeing the rise of the divine feminine having unshackled herself and coming into rightful uh, balance with the, with, the, with the masculine. And really what's happened in, you know, the, say the women's liberation things that happened in the 60s was, was quite immature in some ways because women just in, in seeking their equality started to behave like men. And they thought, oh, well, everything that men can do, we can do. I'll start wearing dungarees, cut my hair, do things, you know, have money, do this, do whatever I want that a man can do. But that was kind of missing the point. And what happened as a result of that between the sexes was that there was a polarity, which is a healthy polarity, where the two opposites are complements, not opposites. They're actually complements. The divine masculine and divine feminine need not be equal. They are equal in their difference, just like two planets are different. And so... And so, like, coming together and bridging that polarity gap within our own being on an individual level and then from that place extrapolating that into the world where our relationships are being revivified into a more whole balance within the, within the masculine and the feminine. So that they are complements of a whole. They are not opposites. They are not, you know, they are absolutely creating the whole together. And the emphasis is upon the wholeness and I think that that's what the whole revolution in consciousness is happening within that sphere of that which has been separate, that which has been divided, that which has been in polarity, will maintain its polarity but within the awareness and the consciousness of the whole, of the unified field, of non-dual awareness. This is the shift that we're all going through, I believe, anyway. And it's the shift that we have to make within our deep innermost, each and every one of us. Because as I said earlier, it's not an ideological belief, nor is it a political exercise. It's something that is not that is coming from deep within. It's actually an upwelling, an uprising, which is a, a, a dissolution of one paradigm, that of that of duality, and it is resolving or reforming onto a higher level, which is the unified field of consciousness, in which there is still a, an awareness of the polarity. But, but couched or nested within the unified field. So there is not this sense of being lost and separated and opposite from uh, anything that is polar opposite. So hence the light and the dark become one. Hence masculine and feminine become one. It's a whole field of experience. That play still happens. And that's what I believe as this new... Uh, kind of frequency of, of consciousness is coming down upon this planet, it's not that we will cease to be working with time or we'll cease to have polarity relationships or that there will be night and day. All of those things will continue. But there will be awareness that this is a device, an illusion of time, of, 
of, of being in this avatar and the, having the five senses to measure what is real, that there is this dualistic world that we live in, but that it is the awareness that we will be channeling within that dualistic field is wholeness, is the non-dual awareness. And that means we are, we are ingressing, ingressing these higher frequency energies at willingly into our vehicle, into each and every one of us to anchor these frequencies into Gaia, into planet Earth, which I just see as one unified field of consciousness on so many levels of dimensions, you know, from the telluric world, the plant world, the mineral world, the human world, the animal world, and, you know, the galactic world, which embraces Gaia as one of her planets. Um, I see them all as being different dimensions of the one energy and that we as human beings are gifted with the gift of self-awareness. So we are walking, talking, cogitating aspects of that one being called Gaia and other animals like bats, they have sonar, dolphins, they have something else. All these different animals are different, have different ways of perceiving and expressing uh, that one energy of Gaia, which is the totality of everything. And yet if we go into the multiplicity of the variety, it's an incredible, beautiful variety of, of novelty that we find on this planet where there's so much which is the birthing of duality, where the one is split into a thousand and one things. But the journey into the thousand and one things is coming home to roost in us at this time through becoming conscious. And the way we become conscious is to go through the hard yards of realizing first our unconsciousness, the extent of the depth of our unconsciousness, how much we've been automatons. We thought we had freedom of speech and freedom of choice, but actually we've been hypnotized beings that have been responding to all kinds of stimuli and respond and you know we've been responding or reacting to those stimuli and calling that life when actually we're about to open up that that uh, that egg and to and to be birthed out of that into the reality into the awareness that we are one that all is one and from this new awareness trust will be a natural uh, a natural byproduct um, you know, acting ethically and in a right way will be a natural byproduct of that consciousness. Acting in ways that are in service to that whole will be a natural byproduct. We won't need to be told or coerced or punished if we don't do that. It'll be a natural overflowing of that consciousness. And so before we are gifted with that full awareness of that non-dual awareness, we must first go through the health states. We must go through those areas of unconsciousness where we need to bring that unconsciousness into the light of day for our loving attention, for us to see how deeply we were unconscious and to, and to integrate that into a conscious awareness of our experience, mm -hmm. not to reject it, but to integrate and to become whole. And so for me, this is the whole process and, and the way that's being played out in the field of human awareness is is between the divine masculine and the divine feminine and the roles, the dissolution of the old roles that we each played where the purity, the essence of those two polarities can be brought to bear. So the, the masculine, which is there to hold the feminine, to hold it, to protect, to anchor, to keep safe, and then the feminine within that can feel safe and can trust the masculine to fully open up and flower to give the ineffable gift of her perfume love. of the divine feminine, unconditional love, of which will be such a nourishing energy. And as that polarity starts to gift itself and each other with that with that beautiful energy 
of the pure essence of the divine masculine feminine, so the planet will be healed. I believe that the healing is through the recalibration of the divine masculine, divine feminine. And my old teacher, a guy called David Daida, talked at length about that. I don't know if you've come across his work, yes. but he was... Sovereign, yeah, he, uh, uh, superior man, aware of superior yeah, man. Yeah, intimate communion and lots of other books he wrote, you know, uh, which deal with exactly with that issue and that topic. Blue and truth, I see it as being central. Blue Truth, Sorry? amazing book. Blue Truth, amazing book. Blue Truth, awesome book. Yeah, absolutely. There's another one if you want to check into it called Wild Nights, in Wild which he Nights. describes. I, I highly recommend you read it, Simon. You will love this book. It's brutally honest. It's completely visceral and bears all. And it's, it shows how David was trained by a guy called Mykonos, his teacher. Uh, and it was all uh, within a tantric context where they worked with Tantra and with a group over a long period of time. And, and he put in through some really deep, deep experiences, you know, like when I was working with David, I'd been a vegetarian for 17 years, and he said, I want you to eat meat for three weeks, no bread, no vegetables, no nothing. He said, you're too much of a nice guy. You're denying your masculine. You know, you've got to find your grit, your dark. You've got to find your shadow. You've got to be able to express that through the love of your heart, through the passion of your heart, not just try and pretend you're not that. And he was right on the money. And, you know, like with him, he, was, he had Mykonos did the same thing to him. And, um, and you know, that, just to give you a little idea of, of how open this book is, like, I don't know if I can say this with the, with the, with the listeners, I guess it's okay, but, and oh, I'm sure David would mind. You know, the group would masturbate together, all together in the room, and at different times open up so they were totally transparent to each other sexually. And then one of the ways he, he got David was to unravel him was, and it sounds really harsh, but it was a major opening for him, whereby... Um, Mykonos made his best friend make love to his partner of, of 15 years in front of him and, he and you know, Mykonos is in his ear all the time going, who are you now? Who are you in this moment? Can you hold this? Can you do this? Can you embrace this also? And just really, I mean, it wasn't for the faint of heart. But yeah. I know you will really enjoy this book called Wild Nights because it's really out there but it's really a book of truth. Only for those who are ready to hear it, as always, you know. Yeah, but, but what's beautiful is that's what one of the things I share with the world now is, uh, you know, a self-pleasure and meditation together, which is, you know, masturbation, but transformed yeah. into what it really awesome. is. And, and yeah. we do group practice together. So I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful, I think it's one of the most profound, actually, and innocent, beautiful pathways, pathways back into uh, to real love. So. Right. Play and, and, and being innocent and open and spontaneous to now, to this moment. Because there are two ways to reach that spontaneity and that presence in the now. And one is what I call from the bottom up, one is from the top up, top down. The bottom up is when you deal with the body, somatic therapies, massage, opening through the body, opening through dance, opening through touch, opening through pleasure. You know, and just reaching those higher states from starting with something really basic like the body. Or there's the wisdom yoga way, the jnana yoga way, which is about fine ideas and concepts and philosophies and, and having an embracing of non-dual awareness, Dzogchen studies, things like that, which can then trickle down into the body from that space. I, I like the approach from both ends, but some people are naturally approached to the somatic approach and other people are naturally inclined towards the right. more cerebral or esoteric approach. Both are good. They both reach the same space. 
I got distracted <laughs> by a naked being walking past me. <laughs> it, it, it happens. And it like, okay. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna wheel wheel it in because it's we're beautiful. It. Yeah, we're doing it. And um, I think what would be lovely. Wow, I just I'm I'm actually just feeling into everything we just shared in those last 10 minutes, actually. That's I think that's a mini podcast in and of itself. I've got a we feeling can that, might, upon that definitely. There's a good yeah, couple I, of hours there. Yeah, I think that I think that that's a, a little mini uh yeah, I think I might even put that up as a as a mini podcast, a, a little a little 15, 20 minute yeah. juicy, because that was so rich yeah. what you just shared about polarity play. So I'm really grateful about that. I'm glad we brought that in. And the wild nights, I'm gonna get that book from David Data. So um yeah, I guess like let's let's wrap it up with you know, we've been we've been together now a couple of years. We've done our we've got this like podcast, we're on this weaving, you're in this you know, we're all in this transition and everything we've spoken about today, which is, you know, there's a hell of a lot there. If, if any of you beautiful beings listening want to really unpack and really take notes on some of the juice that uh, we've shared today, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of value here. And it's really wonderful to be with you, Darpan, and just kind of, you know, just to dive into this heightened awareness with you and this broader perspectives on, on all of this, you know, this cosmic playground that we're in. So, you know, um, yeah just deep appreciation for that first and foremost and just the way that you've navigated through your life and you know the way you're doing your thing and I I, I think what I'd, what would be nice is like right now with this transition and this rapid uh, rapid uh, shift that we're in what would you say I'm just gonna ask you a question you can wax lyrical for a few moments like what would you say would be some real practical you know, tools, stroke, actions that people can take that are listening to this, that are maybe caught up a little bit in, you know, some of the other aspects of those dualities and a little bit lost. Even listening to this, it sounds great, but for them, you know, the monkey mind's there and they're a little bit stuck still, you know, it's all feeling a bit, um, yeah, yeah, just a bit uh, uh, too much. Like what, what would be some practical steps that you would offer them? And how they could really step into this more, uh, as you described it. If I can see my notes, which I love, uh, the flow of synchronicity. Yes, indeed, brother. And that flow of synchronicity is our natural state. It's the natural state the world is in. If you look at nature and observe nature, it's the great teacher. Everything's flowing. Everything's organic. Everything's going beautifully, and everyone's trusting it. Like, could you imagine if the birds were to suddenly think? Will there be food tomorrow? Will the sun come up tomorrow? What if it doesn't? What are we going to do? They'll be having nervous breakdowns like we do. But Hi. they don't. They are in the flow of synchronicity and it involves trust. That issue, that thing, that principle we were talking about at length earlier, it involves simple trust. And who trusts? A child. A child who's innocent trusts because there's no doubt in the mind of an innocent child for it to not trust. In fact, the very idea of trust to a child is, is foreign as a concept because that's all it does without even being aware of it. It just trusts mum, dad, trusts existence, trusts I'm feeling upset now, trusts I'm feeling happy right now, and trusting that things will be just okay in, in the next moment as they were as they are in this moment. In fact, the beauty of a child's innocence is that it's rooted in the now. It's not projecting into the future. It's not referring back to the past. It's actually in the now. So my answer to your 
question would be to say that find a device, any device. There are a million and one of them to bring you back into that uh, really uh, vivid experience of, of a now experience. Now, I said, as I said, there's the let's take the bottom up approach. Let's work with the body. I mean, if ecstatic dance is your thing, that's what better way than to enter into the now than to become physical, actually move and get, get into the coordination of breath, movement, body, dance, poetry, music, as a way of getting out of the mind. And really, all these devices to come back to innocence are just devices that are getting out of the mind. So whatever works for you, you know, there are so many different ways. I mean, uh, whatever can bring you back to that childlike state, and we all carry that inner child, no matter how much, you know, levels of covering there are over and above something like some hardened criminal or some deep, you know, state operator that's so far lost, divorced from empathy or feelings of compassion, still inside that being there is an innocent child because we all were one once. And so it's a matter of reconnecting, reconnecting to that. Earlier I called it inner authority, inner authority, but it's also about connecting with that sense of playfulness, of being spontaneous, of letting go of the serious aspects of life. In other words, finding a practice that, in, that you can do, that you like, uh, that will take you out of that serious mind, out of this, the mind which worries, is concerned about, you know, whether this gets done or that gets done or the, or the mortgage is paid or whatever, to find a, a device that will take you out of that. Some people choose meditation. Some people choose dance, as I said, because I happen to love ecstatic dance. Um, some people will choose uh, the way of, of, you know, just walking in nature. Others will observe an animal and just relate with an animal because animals will impart that same sense of being in the now, being present, being here. And so once you've found that device, whatever it is, to reconnect, it could be painting, it could be telling a little story, it could be singing or creating a song, whatever creates that timelessness inside your own being, which is what absorption with creativity does, and absorption with creativity always brings playfulness. It's always play. If it's serious, it's no longer... Uh, it's no longer really creative because it's all being cogitated and worked out and and sort of like, uh, yeah, the, the, the hard lines of thought start to dominate. And so once you've decided to, upon whatever that avenue is, that d device to take you into playfulness, then put it into practice. Just make a pact with yourself to do it. Even if it's only 20 minutes a day, whatever it is, just do it for some period of the day. You know, and and that will make an enormous difference. I know it from my own experience. And so I can only say, and, and, you know, many people will go, yeah, well, I love to do this, and that really gives me a good feeling of being connected, and I forget about all the worries. And, well, once you've found that, commit to action. Action is what counts. <laughs> Just knowing about it is, is all very well, but it doesn't do very much. Yeah, you need consistency. Absolutely. And you need action, putting it into practice. In other words, going for that walk in nature, going for that surf on the surfboard, whatever it is to do something because we've become conditioned to uh, identifying and interfacing with the serious world at the expense of our own inner child. 
And really what needs to be brought back is that spontaneity, that innocence. And this is what always unerringly brings us back to the experience of the now, of this present moment. And then when we have the trust that this moment is we're fully present for it, then we can just say, we'll let the next moment take care of itself. We're right here now. And when you look at it, we've always been here now. We've never not been here now. <laughs> yeah, it's the funny one, though. It's like it always brings us back to the the, the funny illusion of, um, I call it, as we said, the funky paradox. But the, it's, it is really a joke. I know we come back, we're here now. It really is a joke when you think about it. Because, you know, where else can you ever be but the now? You know, That's like right. you said, there's always there always is synchronicities unfolding. Um, the the people go, I really need to get into the flow, but it's always flowing. You know, so it is just a joke, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, let's just unpack that. I really need to get into the flow. Who is this I that thinks it can even you know manipulate the flow or or somehow conceptualize the flow as being something other than what it is, which is a spontaneous occurrence within this moment? That's the flow. It's only right. ever happening now. And so the more we can we can start to realise I am not the body because my body will pass, but my awareness, we will see, it will, it, will go, it will go beyond the body. I am not the mind. I am not my emotions. These also, like the weather, will come and go. I am not my mind, but so many of us think we are the mind. And so we're locked and imprisoned by the mind. But once you realise you are not the mind, then you can ask genuinely, then who the fuck am I? Who am I really? And this is a very good line of questioning because then we start to approach those levels which are beyond the mind. And at first it can be an intellectual inquiry, but certainly in the experience of committing yourself to something totally, whether it's jumping out of an aeroplane, you know, parachuting, or whether it's running along the beach, or whether it's blindfolding yourself and undergoing a sensory experience, or whatever it is, but to abandon yourself to this moment and my experience of this moment, to reel back the future projections, to no longer look back in the past. And I believe that conscious humanity, conscious custodians of this planet, in what we're evolving into, full awareness, is that we will be divine magicians of the now, where we will no longer refer to the past on how to do things. We'll simply go, what, is, what needs to be manifested in this moment now for me to move forward in joy, in, in communion, in laughter, in happiness? What is required? And just bring that in. Call that in in this moment because we don't need to look back at how they did it 100 years ago or even five minutes ago because that's already gone. It will never come back. It's the past is the past is the past. It can never be repeated. Tomorrow will never come. No matter how much we talk about tomorrow. When have we ever been in tomorrow? We've never been. Tomorrow is always like a mirage <laughs> in the future. So we just need to get this. It's just a simple getting. And once you get it, then you can really just bring your total awareness to now. And once you do that, the flow of synchronicity opens up. Life becomes a magical unfolding. I guarantee it. If you just commit to that thing and like allow that to happen and it's, it's an allowance you have to allow that possibility yeah, you to get out, you get out your way you allow then you're in the now you get out your way then you allow then you're in the now and all is well ah, ah beautiful and, and it's a process of remembering and forgetting you know you will forget to be in it and you remember but you don't have to beat yourself up oh, oh shit i got locked into my mind again i project into the future i went into my fears and doubts no, no, simply notice you've done that and come back to the now.
It's as simple as that. No flagellation needed. No self-judgment needed. And what will happen by and by is that you realise I'm remembering more than I'm forgetting. Whereas at the beginning, I was forgetting more than I was rem- than I was remembering. Remember to be in the now. Then you forget. Then you remember. Then you forget. Then you forgot that you remembered to forget and on <laughs> so on and so forth. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just bringing ourselves back. It's like having a horse and just bringing it back to, the, to where we're going and bringing the vehicle in alignment with spirit to cap that up with our early conversation so that the mind, body and emotions become servant to the spirit in service to the one and all, in service to that which we are at essence, exactly. And in so doing, we open up and, and the flow of synchronicity happens and the natural flow of abundance, which is the way of this world, will naturally manifest. Where The reason we, there is so much misery and, and poverty and starvation and so on and so on in the world is because we are locked in the mind. The mind creates lack. The mind creates conditions, it creates walls, it creates definitions. Whereas if we can just trust, you know, like one seed can create a tree that creates millions of seeds, so why should we be any different from nature? We are naturally abundant. It is our divine nature, except we were taught, we were conditioned, we were programmed to, to, to feel that that is not the case, that we need to earn or work or learn or fight our way out of this hellhole. That's what we've been taught. Mm. And so it's, natural, it's just a repositioning, brother. It's simple in the sense that everybody can do it. Everybody has the power to do it. Repositioning yourself in consciousness to empower ourselves and to take back all those parts of ourselves that we gave away willy-nilly without even realising that we gave it away, to bring it back home to roost. That is what's called claiming sovereignty. That is what when we become whole. That is when we take responsibility. And this is a big word because many people, if you ask them if they want freedom, they'll say, yeah, I want to be free. I love freedom. I say, but are you willing to take full responsibility for freedom? Oh, what does that entail? Well, it means being fucking really aware and taking and taking responsibility for everything that happens to you, everything you think, everything you feel, everything you do. Take full responsibility. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that because the world has influenced me. I'm not to blame for that. And so people go into that. So in other words, people are not ready to be free because freedom and responsibility are two wings of the same bird. You can't have one without the other. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So that's it. You see, that's, that's it. That's just bring it home, you know. And that's how we enter into the flow of synchronicity. And we start to practice, experiment with being conscious now. We will fall off the horse again and again. Don't blame yourself. Just get back on the horse. Don't waste time blaming yourself. Oh, I forgot. Just get back on the horse because you'll remember. And this is the message of the Buddha, self-remembrance, simple self-remembrance. And it entails all that we've spoken about and extrapolated in this session. My God. Self-remembrance. Yeah. Well, let's all take a nice deep breath in. And the ability to say yes to existence. That's a really big one. <laughs> Not to fight with existence, you know. Not to fight with spirit. Yeah, not to fight, full stop, huh? Not to fight, not to so fight. Yes. Wow. Was, thank you. That thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was speaking over. No, that's it. That's it. Just say yes. Just yeah. say yes to life, to spirit, 
to exist. Maybe that's the that's, maybe that's the name of our podcast. Just say yes to, to life. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Just say yes to life. Oh man, I don't know what I'm going to name this one. It's hard to always put these into a, encapsulation. But for everyone listening, thank you so much for going on this journey. I don't know how you feel right now, but in my in my body after all of these, I feel like we've we've gone in, we've dissected, we've uncovered, we've explored, we've felt. And then we come out the other end, always into this. I don't know if you're listening to this, you won't see our faces, but there's a lot of joy in my face and I can see that. Absolutely on mine too. It's always a joy to connect with you, Simon, and to <laughs> open up these, these, you know, little packets so that we can all imbibe, we can all share, and we can all... Because we all share the same truth. We're all human beings. We all can feel the truth, you know. And and we've, when I say feel, I mean feel from the heart. We can feel with the energy. The mind might have difficulty, have all these arguments and, and you know, like uh, contradictions. But it's cool. Let the mind do that. That's not a problem. But feel cool. from the heart. I like it when you say it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I like it when you say that. I like, it reminded me of a guy I was in uh, Brazil once and on this buggy journey. And uh, he kind of took us, he took a small group of us on this like uh, sand buggies, you know, for the day. And yeah. took us all around. And all he said, like things might happen, little things. Or, I don't remember anything he said other than peace, love, no stress. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. all he said all day. Yeah. When we got out, when, even when we said goodbye, he was like, Peace, love, no stress. Beautiful, beautiful. That's gorgeous. It's just rolling on the buggies. So thank you so much, Starbound. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, wherever you are in the world, I hope this has touched you, sparked a little flame of truth inside of you, some inquiry, making you ponder your own existence. Maybe you're asking some of the questions that Darpan has inspired today. Or maybe you want to go and get that book. Who knows what you will take from this? But whatever it is, I trust it's exactly what you need and not what you want, because we always get what we need and not always what we want. But when we realize that what we want is what we need, then the joy can play and we can just be here in this cosmic dance, alive and existing. And I just Who's that rock philosopher who said, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometime, you'll always get what you need. So true. <laughs> exactly. So thank you so much, uh, Brother Darpan. It's been a great pleasure. and Thank you for making it yes. happen. Mm. Thank you, brother. Until next time, be well and happy. Lots of love. Thank you for listening to another episode of Simon Transparently. This podcast is a call to action, a call into sovereignty, a call to speak our truth and love ourselves fiercely, and for us all to rise up together as love. If you are resonating with my offerings, you can support me by becoming a patron, for which I would be deeply grateful. And you can access more of my content at simontransparently.com. This is our time to rise.